Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Uh, tonight, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, so if you want to get ready and go ahead and turn over there. And I know some of you are probably thinking, Philippians chapter 2 is not a Christmas passage, Russell. And we just saw all these wonderful Christmas uh, carols and hymns. So what are we doing in Philippians 2? Well, uh, I think you'll see by the end of the service, because as we continue to talk about keeping Christ in Christmas, tonight I want us to focus on uh, focusing on Jesus, who is the reason for the season, look at why he came and what that means for us so that we can celebrate that correctly. Um, I'm really excited about this message tonight uh, because it is really hard to keep Christ at the center of Christmas with everything that is going on in life at this time. Uh, That song that we just finished singing, Oh Holy Night, it is a powerful song. And it really, I mean, just lays the gospel out there. And that song was written in the 1840s by a Frenchman named Adolf Adam. And the interesting thing is, when that song was written, the pastors around him wrote him letters and said, this is a terrible song. They said, this is written in poor taste. And uh, I think one guy went even as far to say, there is the total absence of religion in this song. I know, I kind of thought the same thing as you guys, as, uh, the, your wide-eyed stares here. Uh, but as we look at that song, the words in it are powerful and truly display the gospel. Go look at that first verse with me just real quick. I think we've got words to go on the screen. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Now, the first part of that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, I have to be honest. Uh, I'm not real familiar with the phrase error pining. So I had to go to the dictionary this week and say, okay, what does it mean to pine? And if uh, just a quick Google search means to suffer mental and physical decline, especially because of a broken heart. So if Really, what he's saying is your spirit is wasting away inside of you. So long lay the world in sin and error pining. So the world is full of darkness and despair and is really not a pleasant place, especially without Jesus. But look at the next three words. Till he appeared. Till he appeared. And in a moment, in an instant, everything about this world changed. The the following words are great too. The soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So with the birth of Jesus, we have a whole new, fresh outlook on this world. And we have a whole new hope that is found in Him. So it's interesting, as I was reading up on Philippians 2, and, you know, Paul obviously wrote Philippians, and uh, you would think that Paul, who wrote almost half of the New Testament, would have talked about the birth of Christ, 
but he really doesn't ever tell the story of what happens. Matthew and Luke do, uh, but Paul never does. But, but it's interesting, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, that is the last time that there is a birth mentioned in the Bible. So throughout the, all of the Old Testament, we see it all builds and it all goes through the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and everything is pointing towards this Messiah who will one day come. And so it's important that they keep up with the lineage and the genealogy and who was born from whom. In fact, Matthew and Luke both trace the genealogy of Jesus back through King David all the way to Abraham. And that was a really important deal. But Paul's purpose in Philippians chapter 2 is not to tell the story of Christmas, of what happened, but to tell about the glory that is to come because of the birth of Christ. So while Matthew and Luke look historically of this is what happened, Paul's purpose is why, and why this is significant for you and for me. So as we try to keep Christ in Christmas, I want to point out three things that I think are very important for us tonight. Number one, we've got to concentrate on who was born. We've got to concentrate on who was born. Microsoft came out with a study um, fairly recently that the average human has an attention span of, anybody want to make a guess? No, a little more than that. Eight seconds. Eight seconds. Uh, In the year 2000, the average attention span was 12 seconds. So we have digressed. Now, just to make you feel even better about yourself, how long does a goldfish have an attention span for? Anybody? Nine seconds. So the next time you begin to think you are something and that you are really smart, you just remember that a goldfish has a longer attention span than you. Now, I think this is interesting uh, because it is so difficult for us to focus on, on the real reason for Christmas. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. There, our world is full of distractions. We were sitting at small group this week, and just as we ate dinner, we we're having a really holy moment talking about all of the TV that we watch at night and the soap operas and the dramas uh, that we, we watch on a regular basis. And, and really, it just went on and on and on. And have you seen this show? Have you seen this show? Have you seen this show? And, and it got me thinking, we waste a whole lot of time and we are so distracted uh, and we feel like we always have to be entertained by something. And so it's no wonder that we have trouble focusing on the real reason for Christmas when we're distracted by TV shows, social media, and video games that we sit around and play all day long for entertainment. And then you add on to that all the things that go with Christmas, like uh, holiday parties, get-togethers, travel, buying all the gifts, and we get focused on the gifts and the gathering instead of focusing on the gospel. And so what Paul is telling us is that we have got to concentrate on who was born. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2. In verse 6, he says, "...who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself." by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So go back up to verse 6. Who is this that we are to concentrate on? Well, Jesus, obviously, but he was in the form of God. That word uh, form gets its origination from when a king would uh, write a letter, and when they would seal that letter, they would put uh, hot wax on the letter to seal it, and then the king would stamp it with his signet ring. And when he did that, that little letter, that piece of wax would then have the imprint, it would be the exact representation, the form of that ring. And so whoever got that knew, well, this is actually from the king. And so what Paul is saying here is that Jesus is the exact representation of God. In fact, he is God himself. And so when he came to earth, though he was born in a human body, he did not lose his original form, which is that of God. He did not cease to be God. Now, we have trouble with this, right? Because we want to say, well, he was, he was half God and he was half man, and we put that together and that makes a whole being. No, he was fully God, 110%. And he was fully man, and he put those together in one body. Now, I don't know how that works. That's one of the mysteries of the gospel that we may never know until the other side, but that is what Scripture is teaching us, that this addition of one plus one still equals one. It's not half plus a half or or three quarters plus one quarter. It is one plus one and still equals one. Jesus is the very form of God. This is the one who was born. But notice then he says, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't have to count equality with God to be grasped because he was equal to God. And that word equal is uh, the word isos, which we get uh, our word isosceles triangle, a triangle with two equal sides. And so if we were going to put this in the algebraic formula, and, you know, some of you kids and Jackson, I'm sure you could go on and on about all of this, um, But if you're going to do an equation and solve for x, you want to find out what x equals. Well, if we take the bottom line and we solve the equation, Jesus equals God. All right? That would be the end of the formula that Jesus equals God. And so this is why we see that the Jews did not like Jesus so much. It wasn't because of his teaching, though they may have disagreed with it, but they disagreed with a lot of people, right? It wasn't the miracles, though they didn't understand them or understand where his power came from. It it was the fact that he claimed to be very God himself. In fact, John 5.18 says this is why the Jews were seeking to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And then down a couple of chapters in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So when we go back to that first Christmas day, when Jesus was born and when he was just a sweet little baby, though he was a baby who could not feed himself, who could not clean himself up, 
who could not talk and could not walk. He was absolutely and totally 100% God in the flesh. So the question is, why in the world would Jesus leave all the glory that is in heaven, all the unity he has with the Father, the beauty of it, why would he leave all of that and come to this lowly earth filled with sin? Well, I think we see in verse 8, you skip down just a little bit, being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. And I think, man, that's such a powerful little phrase that we probably don't totally get on this side of heaven. Because there Jesus is, he's got perfect fellowship with the Father, he's in the perfect realm of glory, and here's this tiny little planet down somewhere in the universe that is filled with sinful men who have completely messed it up, yet he humbled himself that he might come and be on this earth. It's an amazing thing. And so I think Paul is calling us to concentrate on this man, Jesus, who was born. We're to concentrate on him. So you say, okay, Russell, well, how in the world am I going to do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because I've got some suggestions for you. Do a Christmas devotional with your family together. Uh, Brooke and I have started doing one. In fact, we've even started uh, a different one with Haley. And uh, it's been really great for us. And I guess we're only five days in, uh, but it's given us something to look at, uh, get our hearts and our minds focused on the real reason for Christmas, which is Jesus, not the gifts, if you didn't know that. Um, So that's something that you can do. And in fact, I will have some devotionals Monday because shipping is delayed like three weeks right now. Uh, And so if you want one of those Christmas devotionals, I will hand deliver one to you on Monday. Just ping me and let me know. But that's one thing you can do. Uh, Another thing you can do is you can read the Christmas story before you and your family open gifts on Christmas. We started this years ago on my side of the family, and so either my dad or my sister or myself, we would get a Bible out before we opened gifts, and we would read the account of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 2, just so that we would remember the reason we're about to give gifts and have a lot of fun for the rest of the day is because God gave us the ultimate gift in Jesus, His Son. And you could go to a Christmas Eve service. Uh, We're not going to have one here, but there are a lot of great churches around. And and so before the Christmas frenzy happens, I would just encourage you, go to a Christmas Eve service and get your heart right before the Lord. You know, we, um, I mean, we seem to always blow through Christmas in our household. And it's like, you know, you snap your fingers and December is gone. And last year, I had all these great thoughts that, oh, we're going to do all this stuff, and my heart's really going to be ready for Christmas. And then all of a sudden, I looked up, and it was middle of January, and I hadn't even pressed pause on life to reflect on the real reason for Christmas. So this year, we started celebrating early, and I went against everything I've ever said in life, that you can't put Christmas stuff up before Thanksgiving because that would be sinful. But I decided, listen, I... I'm going to focus on Jesus this year. I'm going to focus on the real reason for Christmas. So we, we just went ahead and put lights up in early November. And it has been so good just for my soul. And I know that's a stupid little thing that probably doesn't have a whole lot of spiritual significance. But it is a reminder to me every time I drive up to my house and it's dark that the real reason for the season is Christ who is the Lord, the Savior who left the glory of heaven to become a man 
just like me. Secondly, I think we should commemorate why he came. Look at the second half of verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this Christmas season, as you sit around a fire, as you sit around a Christmas tree, as you begin to open up gifts, remember that the only reason we do that is because not only did a Savior come to earth, but He came in order that He might die for you and for me. That was His ultimate purpose, that He would go to the cross as a man and suffer for you and I. Now, it would have been a great act of humility if he had just come and he had been born in a palace like we all think he should have been and been raised in a royal family and then taken you know, the throne and ruled over Israel for a long time and died a really peaceful death. That would have been a great and very humble thing for him to do. But he took it a step further than that and was born in the back alley, what they called a stable and was raised up as a peasant and died as a sinner on a cross for you and for me. And so when we say that he is Emmanuel, God with us, he was not just with us in some high palace somewhere. He came and he lived a life like you and I did so that he might know pain, that he might know suffering, that he might know all of the things that you and I as normal human beings go through. So I know, listen, I know Christmas is not always like happy and fun for everyone because some of you have really painful memories surrounding Christmas. Maybe you grew up in a home where, man, Christmas wasn't always fun because you didn't have a lot of gifts. And, and man, your parents didn't have a lot to give you. Or maybe they even mistreated you. Or maybe uh, somewhere along the way in life, you have had a uh, a mom or a dad or uh, someone close to you who has died in the Christmas season. And so that just makes Christmas really difficult for you. And let me tell you, church, we have a Savior who can sympathize and empathize with that pain. He knows everything that you've gone through, all the dark things in your life that you have suffered and never told anyone, whether it's through a marriage relationship or maybe it's the things that your boss is just heaping down on you and you don't have anybody to share with. Whatever it is in your life, Jesus knows about it. And He has felt your pain and is walking alongside you. Jesus is all too familiar with pain. So when Paul writes these words and says he humbled himself, he truly means it. So I was thinking about this this week and thought, man, okay, well, this is what Jesus did. How can we, you know, commemorate this or, you know, whatever it is I said, we should commemorate why he came. Okay, well, how do we do that? Well, I had to go back to the dictionary and, okay, commemorate. Okay, what does it really mean? Well, it means to honor okay, well, how can I bring honor and glory to Jesus? And I started thinking about all these ideas and all these different things that we could do. And then I just, I read the scripture again. And go back there with me. It just says, he became obedient to the point of death. And as I thought about that, how can we honor what Jesus did? The best thing that you and I can do is simply to be obedient. It's simply to be obedient. What is it that He is asking of you in your life? What is it He's calling you to do? 
Maybe he's asked you to join a small group, or maybe he's asked you to step up and lead your family spiritually, or maybe he's challenging you to uh, do something different. Man, I don't know what that is, but if he's laid it on your heart, or if you've found something in your word and said, oh man, my life doesn't align with this, then, then church family, I would just ask you to be obedient. It's the best sign of our love for him is just to say, yes, Lord. I will lay my life down, and in doing so, we emulate what Christ did as he laid his life down on the cross. If we just put aside our selfish ambition and say, well, Lord, I'll just set all of this aside, and I will follow you no matter what. That's how we can commemorate his death. And finally, we should celebrate who he is. Celebrate who he is. See, if Jesus had only died, we would not be celebrating. It would be very sad. And we would not do all of the things that are associated with Christmas. But he didn't just come and be born. He didn't just die, but he is the risen Lord and Savior who reigns on high. Verse 9, Therefore God has uh, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we can celebrate who He is. We can celebrate His name. And it's not just Jesus, because Jesus is a common name. In fact, uh, it's a very common name in the Hispanic culture. You probably know someone with the name Jesus, uh, but it is Christ, the Lord. That is not common because He is the ruler of heaven and earth and every knee will bow. And so we have great reason to celebrate that because not He's not a dictator in the sky saying, this is what you should do and if not, I'm going to crush you. He is our loving heavenly Father, Jesus is our brother. We are family. And so as children of the Most High God and the best father there ever was, we can come before him boldly with every need and everything that we have in this life, right? I mean, so like I don't know where you are or what's going on in this time, but you can bring it before God. And he's not going to push you away like that you're too petty for him. He will listen to you as if you were his only child that he has. You know, eventually every knee is going to bow before the Lord. There was a um, leader in the new atheism movement whose name was uh, Christopher Hitchens. And he was very much against anything and everything that had to do with religion. And I believe he died about nine years ago, and I think cancer uh, took his life. And so while he was in the hospital, uh, a lot of Christians wrote to him saying, hey, we're praying for you, um, we're praying that you would get better. And uh, he did a TV interview at some point uh, near the end of his life and, and basically said, I'm, I mean, thanks, but why would you waste your time? What a colossal waste of time for you to spend your time praying for me to a God who doesn't exist. And that man will stand before the Lord and his knee will bow and he will confess that Jesus, the Christ, is Lord. And so we can celebrate that. And I want to go back to that song, O Holy Night, because it's just, it's so 
powerful and I think drives the point home as to the God that we worship. It says, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love. His gospel is peace. Chains he shall break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus uh, raise we with all our hearts. We praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Then ever, ever praise we his glory and uh, his power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. I don't know what better words there are out there. And I just want to share that last verse with you guys so that if, if there are chains that need breaking in your life, then you can bring them to Christ the Lord. Man, if you need help loving somebody in your life, then you can bring that to Christ the Lord. If there is uh, someone that you need to love or maybe you need to just feel the love of Christ, maybe for the first time in your life, or if you need a peace that passes all understanding, then you can come before Christ who is the Lord. And I would just challenge you this Christmas season, wherever your holiday plans take you, focus on Jesus commemorate why he came, that he came to die for you and me. Let us be a a people who are obedient and let us remember that he is the Lord who reigns on high. There is nothing that is too low for him to answer. There is no prayer that is too big that he can't answer that to. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website, at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.